The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. All right, let's get to our guest now. Jun Lee is CIO for Power Sustainable Investment Management, joining us from Shanghai. So a lot to talk about when we look at the towards the party congress and, and whether or not we could see a change in COVID zero policy. But also wanted to start with the sell-off that we are seeing in chip makers, this route spreading to TSMC, Samsung, after the US curbs on China. Does this just increase some of the headwinds around China businesses? Um, that definitely is a factor. I think the U.S. sanction on the China chip industry does have a very fundamental and a potentially long-term impact on the development of the chip industry in China. And also uh, major suppliers to the Chinese players also got hurt, like TSMC and the leading chip makers in the U.S. So when we are analyzing the situation, we think it is pretty severe because it not only constrains uh, chip exports to China, it also constrains the equipment providers uh, provided to the Chinese uh, chip-making industries, uh, which will negatively impact the fabulous capacity increase in China. Uh, we had anticipated very fast expansion of the chip industry in China. Now things may get uh, worse than that. And also, um, there is a very uh, strict uh, terms on U.S. citizens participating in the chip-making industries in China. So overall, we see a very big negative factor uh, on the overall chip industries globally. So I'm wondering, I think that would be the intent of the Biden administration, right, to curtail growth in certain industries like military surveillance or artificial intelligence. Are there companies in China now whose growth depends on access to these high technology, I mean, cutting edge chips that are, and maybe that's now in question. Is that the way you're viewing it? I think uh, Biden's uh, administration's intent is really to curb the development of, uh, for example, military usage of the most advanced chips and also AI development in general in China. Uh, despite the fact that these areas require the most advanced chips and uh, AI chips, I think uh, some other industries uh, that's used by electric vehicles, etc., may also be negatively impacted. That is uh, what investors are concerned about, uh, because you will need to have a database, you, uh, data centers, you will need to have uh, the AI systems to facilitate the future development of uh, the electric vehicles, for example, and other related industries uh, for the general public. Let's talk about uh, what we're seeing elsewhere in the China economy. And, and as I mentioned, we're looking ahead to whether or not there could be a pivot away from dynamic zero. But we've still got a lot of weakness in the property sector and real estate market pressure. You're looking at real estate sales, which declined over the Golden Week holiday. So what does that tell us in terms of adjusting some of these uh, earnings growth potential for 2023? 
Yeah, I think real estate is a very big sector. Historically, the growth of real estate really supported strong economic growth in China in the past 10 to 20 years. However, I think given uh, currently we have a lot of pressure and deleveraging on the real estate sector, uh, we see uh, a big drag on economic growth. The Golden Week, uh, the top 30 cities registered a negative 40 percent uh, real estate sales uh, due to the fact that um, a lot of uh, buyers do not have enough confidence in the future outlook. So um, this may continue for a while. Uh, we believe that uh, uh, this is still the weakness in the Chinese economic growth uh, for the next 12 months. And uh, we love to see uh, more policies or stimulus to support the real estate market in China. These may include you know, the lowering of the mortgage rates and uh, the lowering of the uh, triple R rates to support the liquidity. However, looking into the earning growth, uh, due to the real estate market weakness, as well as the COVID zero policy, which constrained traffic uh, and the consumptions of the people in China. Uh, the earning growth in the second quarter was really weak. Uh, we see mild recovery uh, for the third quarter to 022, but looking into future, uh, we are anticipating a mild recovery from there as well. Um, but there are still uncertainties, like I said, depending on uh, the COVID zero policies, and also depending on uh, how strongly uh, the Chinese government will support the resting market. So a mild or modest recovery of the Chinese consumer, a big uh, deal of risk that remains where the property market is concerned, and a very strong headwind when it comes to technology vis-a-vis -vis, uh, semiconductors. So there is a lot to be negative on when you look at China overall. How are you um, able to put money to work in the Chinese market right now? Are there areas or themes that you feel represent value or a strategy that makes sense? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, there are a lot of bad news uh, for the Chinese economy, for the equity market. I think things are uh, looking difficult globally as well. Uh, so, but uh, it is fair to say that both the Asia market and H-share market are trading at very low valuation. Uh, they are at very uh, low levels at this moment. So looking into the future, I think investors are looking for more certainties, uh, things like uh, domestic consumption. Like I mentioned, uh, this year is a really low base due to COVID. Next year, if things get better, if uh, the COVID policy gets uh, relaxed a little bit, you will easily see improvement from here. Uh, we are also seeing investors interested into uh, high yield uh, companies uh, in the areas of utilities, etc. Uh, and also uh, we see investors uh, getting uh, into the value stocks as well. We just saw China September retail passenger vehicle sales rise 21.2% year on year, according to uh, data from authorities, the PCA. I mean, we know that's coming off a very low base from, from the prior yeah. year, but is that an encouraging sign on consumption? Uh, I think definitely it is. Uh, electric vehicle and the auto sales is uh, another big aspect of the economic growth. Uh, so it is good to see uh, continuous growth from that sector. Like you mentioned, it is from a very low base from a prior year. And also it is uh, driven by policies 
uh, such as tax cuts for the automobile buyers. Uh, looking to the future, we think the Chinese government will continue to support the growth of the automobile industry, which is pretty much uh, domestic consumption driven, and it's related to a lot of uh, OEMs and suppliers that are all China uh, manufacturers. All right, June, great to have you with us uh, on on Daybreak Asia today. June Lee is CIO for Power Sustainable Investment Management, joining us from Shanghai. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.